Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Meg Robinson, joined as always by Justin Southwell and Eve Patoba. It was graduation last weekend in Stillwater, so Stillwater is so quiet. <sighs> summertime, guys. Summertime. <laughs> That's a fun time, Congratulations. actually. If you have to stay in Stillwater over the summer, uh, just enjoy all the like extra parking that you get to take advantage of. I remember <laughs> that was a huge advantage. Um, but yeah, it is it is kind of a unique time if you're there in Stillwater over the summer. It's kind of it's it's a unique experience because it's sort of a sort of a ghost town in a way, but everything around you is still in operation. So it's, it's just cool. Like it's, if you haven't done it before, I encourage you to try it out. What? Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. Cool is not the it's word. Cool, I man. Was, I was there no is traffic, absolutely nothing to do no with. lines for anything. The Chick-fil-A line. I mean, not about it. nothing. I tell you the, the, the one time that I brought, so one of my friends is from Pittsburgh. And we were going to a an Oklahoma State football game together a couple of years ago. It must have been 2020. It was 2020, actually. And we landed at the airport. And, you know, you know how the airport is. He comes from Pittsburgh. He lived in Miami. And here he is at Stillwater Regional Airport. He's like, okay. Like, <laughs> smallest place I've ever been in my life. And then we actually go out. We go to Jimmy's Eggs. We go get some breakfast. He goes, yo, Eve, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm in an old Western movie. And uh, the only thing that was missing was just the tumbleweed rolling. If you're going to stay in Stillwater over the summer by yourself, you might see that tumbleweed rolling. So, hey, if that's what you're into, have fun. Like I said, it it is kind of like just like a nice break from reality in a way. You still have the access of everything that you need that's in the city. It's still in operation. There's just not the crowd. I I obviously I live here full time, so I'm here in the summer anyway. And my commute is so much shorter. There is no traffic at the lights. Parking is phenomenal because all of the student parking, all the residential parking just becomes overflow. So I can park so much closer to my building, just saves everything. I mean, obviously, the reason we're here is for the students, for school and everything. But it's just kind of nice in the summer to just like, okay, it's quiet. I can walk around campus, not get run over by a scooter, which is Never fun. Uh, you have those close encounters. And Eve, Fendi mentioned that it was like Old Western because when my parents have come to visit, my mom loves Main Street. She thinks Main Street, where like Granny's is, is just the cutest thing. And she's like, this is what I think of when I think of quintessential small town America. And it's just right out of a movie. So, yes, I very much, I very much feel like that. <laughs> nice. No doubt. I love it. But speaking of uh, towns and, you know, just small towns and running into people, I was at uh, I was in Frisco, Texas this past weekend. 
And I went to a spot called Hutchins Barbecue. Everybody's been telling me about Hutchins Barbecue. You got to check out a good barbecue spot. So I go there. The guy standing in front of me in line was wearing a pistols firing T-shirt. So sparked up a conversation with him. I asked him if he went to Oklahoma State. He was like, yeah, class of 2017. So we get to having a conversation. We talk about the new jerseys and the, the uniforms. We talk about Coach Gundy, like all this stuff while we're waiting in line to get our delicious brisket. And um, he said that he was going to tune in on Thursday. He said he was going to be in the live chat. So, yo, my man, if you are in the chat, please, like, say what's up. Would love to, <laughs> to see that you're in there. He subscribed to the Apple uh, podcast in real time. So I know he's, you know, at least going to be listening. He said he, he does a lot of commuting. So that was pretty cool, right, to see, you know, a faithful new listener of Believe in OK State. So, man, gaining subscribers, gaining subscribers in the middle of the offseason. Like, we're on our way up. Well, you gotta hello, love it. Eve's new friend, we appreciate you. You know, always, always love a new subscriber. Last week, we talked about the uniforms and new uniforms. And I had the pleasure today to go and see the new uniforms in person. I got to talk to Justin Williams, the head of football equipment operations at Oklahoma State. We had him on the pod you know, a couple months ago after the season to discuss all the combos. I got to talk to him about the new jerseys and I am the envy of Justin Southwell because he hooked me up with a few things. This is not that exciting. Just, you know, OSU. So says you. I think that that's awesome. And I would work out in it every day. No, it absolutely is. It. I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm just saying this is like, you know, standard, you know, can't, can never go wrong with a simple brand white tee. However, amen. If, however, he also gave me this bad boy. Just and perfection. Hard. That mug is hard right there. For the people who are just listening, you have to understand, just imagine the coolest hat you you can possibly imagine, which is an orange hat with the old 80s OSU brand blacked out. So your, your perfect black and orange balance that every Oklahoma State fan loves with arguably – the favorite logo across the board for most fans. So, and of course it's Nike, probably the 86 heritage, which is their most comfortable hat right now. Yep. It is Man, such uh, a dope hat. I was going to put Great it on, but jealous. I'm jealous. So you will see me wearing this in a very near future episode. And Justin, you asked me to ask Justin Williams about the stripes. I'm not going to give everything I talked about away because my full interview with him is going to be on OSU Max. So I don't want to ruin it for the people, but you asked about the stripes and he said that the stripes were too hard to match on the pants and the sleeves. And if you even look back, back in the Barry days when he would have the stripes, did you ever notice that the stripes were different and they touched? Yes. There wasn't those gaps in between. Yep. I, yes, they're mismatch. And like, it's, it's weird because a lot of, uh, old uniforms kind of are mismatched that way with the stripes. They'll have triple stripes, but they won't be the same. And I never really understood that, but you kind of just accept it watching football. You're like, I guess this is how the uniform is supposed to look. And it always kind of looked off for some reason. And like I said, Missouri, they have the same stripe on the helmet and shoulders and pants. And it all just kind of looks like too much. It's too many stripes. And then Ohio State is another perfect example where they have the same stripe from their helmet to the jersey to the pants, and they've kind of figured out a way where they make it work, and it doesn't matter if you're wearing 
your red jersey or your white jersey paired with the silver, it just kind of all flows together. With Oklahoma State, I think it would be a lot harder to do that because the, sh- the shoulder stripe is that unique triple stripe with the gaps. I don't think it looks as good on the pants. It looks okay on the helmet. It doesn't. You're absolutely and it, right. You know, I think it, it just looks a lot cleaner if you have it without any stripes on the helmet or without any stripes on the pants, perhaps both. But like I said, the, the shoulder stripes in and of themselves, probably my favorite aspect of the new uniforms. I'm so glad we brought those back. So I will say too, the solid pants just look so clean in person, just the whole thing. So yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait. I'll, I can't wait to see it during the season. I'll trade in the the stripes on the pants for the stripes on the on the sleeves. And Justin's uniform combos for the season are already done. So I cannot mm. you did not tell me, you did not tell me what we'll see week one, but I am I, I, we, we need to have him back on because I'd be interested to hear a little bit more into what goes into that. I think we talked about it a little bit, uh, but not maybe in the detail that I would have liked, but because it, it absolutely has to do with what we've seen in the past, who we're playing what that uniform matchup would look like. But whenever you sit down and you're mapping all of that out, it's May and he's already got it all mapped out. So you gotta, you gotta wonder, you know, what, what, what's his thought process from start to finish. And I, you know, I have, I have some, uh, I have a guess as to what that is, but I'd love to hear from the guy actually doing it. So. And now it's even more complicated because which white do you wear away? Yeah, yeah, you would think, but it might not be that complicated. I'll tell you why, because <laughs> I always think it looks better whenever the jersey numbers match the color of the pants. So if you're wearing black numbers, wear black pants, or you can wear white pants, probably not going to see it too often moving forward, if I had to guess. Yeah, well, still a decision to make, but... True. Week one can't come soon enough. One of the things that they talked about with getting the uniforms in is finalizing the roster, and they can't really place all the orders until all of the names are in. That is crazy. I didn't even think about that. Right? So that, they, you know, they they kind of had the concept, and they, they had to send to Nike. So they had to send to Nike, like, we need – X number of this size, X number of this size. But then in February, they have to sort of finalize the numbers of the roster. They do get some blank ones in case players come and go. But it's, you know, it is completely a numbers game, which is insane. And then he has to count the inventory of, okay, we have this many extra jerseys and that. There's, there are so many layers to the uniforms other than just figuring out what combination you're wearing that I don't think everyone really realizes because he's kind of, okay. So we had this number of 38s. Well, we only had 40 worn this season, but then we had, you know, 10 transfers come in and we had to switch up this way. And then we have to do this. And it's just, there's so many layers to it. But I say that to say we had a lot of transfers in the fall spring transfer portal. Only one guy, only one scholarship player that? to the transfer talked about him a few weeks ago Caleb ETN went to BYU were you guys expecting more transfers what were you sort of expecting to see after the mass exodus in the fall 
Yeah, I was really, really curious to see how that was going to turn out after that max exodus because it was going to be a big determining factor of how much has the coaching staff, how much have the players learned, and how much are they actually buying into what's happened. And it was just such a great sign to see that there there was only one. And by all accounts, the reason for that was just because there's more competition. And gosh, I mean, that, that that's just so exciting uh, to know that you know, based on some of the conversations that I've even had with players on the team, then being able to say like, hey, people are really rallying around um, those that have been identified as leaders, um, not just within the, um, the the locker room, but also within the coaching staff. So it seems there's like there's some type of shift. I think that it was much needed. And I don't know, that just that gets me fired up for the direction that the program is headed. I'm also glad like the guys that left didn't have major influence over the guys who stuck around and they decided – that they did want to be at Oklahoma State. And even after the portal window opened up in the spring, they decided to stick around because I could see how a Mason Cobb goes to USC and then starts talking to all of his buddies about how great it is in LA and how the defense stinks and how you can start right away and how we can compete for a Pac-12 championship and a playoff spot. And you got to jump on board with me and all this stuff. So I'm glad that the guys decided to stick with Oklahoma State and we're going to be able to see them compete for a Big 12 championship instead and stick around with the guys that you committed to in the first place, and I love that. So the guys that stuck around, like I said, we're just going to, I think we're just going to love them that much more. Yeah, I will say there is a friend of mine who is on the staff at uh, USC, and he told me, he said, look, man, since the day that he stepped foot on campus, Mason Cobb has hands down been our best defensive player, like without a doubt. And one part of me was happy for Mason. The other part of me was crushed. I'm like, why did you leave, bro? Just come on back and get it done over here. But, you know, we're, we'll be all right. Eve, does a comment like that say more about who Mason is as a player or the defense at USC? Probably both. I mean, well, you know, it's hard to say both because I don't know – yeah, USC's defense was trash last year. Okay, like we we all know that. But Mason was a freaking baller last season, and we knew it. Like, I mean, talk about flashes of Malcolm Rodriguez um, with you know that extra athleticism. He, I think he's more lean than Malcolm is. Like, he just looked good. So it probably is like more. It has more so to do with Mason's athleticism than it has to do with anything else. Oh, we miss you, Mason. Good news. Good news. <laughs> that we won't have to play him this season unless we make it both us and USC make it to the college football playoff. So the good news is that cool. we face him in the regular season. Uh, and it's even better news. If we do have to face him, it's because we made it to the final four. So that's very, dope. very exciting. And when I say final four, I mean, CFP, I know that it's a college football playoff, not the final four, but those top four no. teams. I should say. <laughs> By the way, um, kind of bringing it back to Stillwater a little bit. I don't know if y'all heard, but the Stillwater Chamber of Commerce, they just announced that the Tonkawa Tribe is bringing a 60,000-square-foot entertainment facility to Stillwater. And the hub will be located at Perkins and Airport Road. It's going to have 16 bowling lanes, four movie theaters, an 80-game arcade, a sports bar, and 12 pickleball courts, and a Whoa. food venue. So, pickleball. Yo, that's... That's huge. Well, yeah, I love recruiting football. tool. Oh, Here we go. Football. Here we go. And let me say this, Eve. It's a good thing that it's happening now as opposed to 10 years ago because I would have smoked you in all them things. No, like, come on. I wasn't <laughs> talking about, but I will say 
I'm wondering who's going to be the first athlete at OSU to sign an NIL deal with this facility or this court. Because, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I think it's going to happen without a doubt. And by the way, when we were there, everybody used to go to Frontier Lanes to, still there. to bowl. Right. <laughs> and, and yeah, and Frontier Lanes is still there. I think the next closing, the next closest bowling alley is like 20 miles away. So they have had this whole just they've had a lock on the bowling business in Stillwater for far too long. It's time for some competitors to come around. So, hey, Frontier Lanes, you better get yourself together now. Yeah. What does it say when that might be opening? No, no, no announcement on one yet. Well, that's unfortunate. I hope they're it's... looking to open fall 2024. Never mind. Just got that. That's only a year and a half away. That's that pretty is... crazy. It's not that far. Like, that's really not that far. Maybe it'll make summers here a little bit more. I don't want to say crazy because not crazy, but a little more populated, a little less. Could be. But that's yeah, a really great option for like watching games and hanging out and just something to do. Hey, the only thing there is to do right now is go to the pool and show some abs. <laughs> My pool isn't even open <laughs> yet. <laughs> but so sad. So sad. The other thing looking forward to the fall, a couple weeks ago, this is this was released a couple. We've just, you know, we've had some news coming. You know, it was the pro day, then the draft, and then the uniform. So we've had some stuff. So we haven't been able to tackle everything that we've seen on Twitter and in the news. So if you feel like these discussions are a little late, that's why we had them set for last week, but then the uniforms came out. And we're like, we gotta talk about those. Well, Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports recently gave his early prediction on the OSU win totals on late kick with Josh Pate. The over-under was set at six and a half, and he took the over, calling OSU's schedule the most laughable thing he's seen. We play the four new Big 12 teams, play all seven teams with worse odds than OSU in the Big 12, and we avoid four of the six teams ahead of us in terms of odds. And the two teams that we do play, we play at home. The last time Gundy finished under six and a half wins was 2005. What do you guys think about Josh Pate's comments? Well, first of all, if he thinks it's the most laughable schedule he's seen, he obviously hasn't seen Michigan's schedule because that is truly laughable. Uh, at least in the Big 12, you've got some competition. But with uh yeah with us not having to play texas and, and the historic texas teams in the big 12 baylor texas tech uh tcu this is uh it's shaping up to be really good i think that realistically seven to eight wins should be the floor and yeah, i don't see absolutely. why we couldn't win nine to ten games realistically and that you can't predict injuries and things like that but even if you have injuries like be serious. Like you should beat Iowa state. You should beat whatever South Alabama. People are thinking that that's going to be a trap game. Like give me a break. Okay. We should handle these teams. No problem. I understand competition. It's a little bit closer than everybody would like to think that it really is. But Oklahoma state needs to start setting themselves apart again. And it begins right now. Yeah, Gundy's first season was in 2005, and that was the last time that we had under seven wins. So that should just – that's just disrespectful, you know. Um, you know, last season was one of the worst seasons that we've had in a long time, according to a lot of people's standards, and we still had seven wins there. 
I'm taking the over all day. If that's the line right there, give me that over all day of the week. I am hammering that over. So, yeah, I was – man, if you're in that locker room, I mean, if you even pay attention to Vegas and sports books and the odds, you should see that as a sign of disrespect and just, uh, you know, want to prove them wrong. I mean, I understand the importance of wanting to prove yourself right, but a great motivator, too, is to shut the haters up. Seriously. And, like, the narrative out there is just that we've been decimated by – people leaving in the portal and Meg, like we just touched on the people that we want here are here. Uh, they yeah. stayed around for the spring. Only one other person left during the spring. We're in a great spot. So, you know, it's just going to take the media and a few uh, talking heads to catch up with where Oklahoma state realistically is, but I can't wait to start proving everybody wrong. Yeah. Also- I mean, I've said it a few times. Oh yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, you look at a team like TCU last year, unranked to start the season and playing in the college football yeah, playoff. A lot of people had them to be picked dead last in the Big 12, like behind Kansas. That's how low they were on Sonny Dykes coming in as a first-year head coach. They didn't understand, like they didn't know that Duggan was going to turn into the quarterback that he ended up being. They had like five, Jaylen six, Daniels. seven, one-score games that could have gone the other way, and they could have ended up as a – you know, seven and five team, but they were resilient. They continued to win week after week. So Oklahoma state, you know, wh- why can't that be you guys? So obviously I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to be more on the heavier side as far as winning more games this year. Yeah. We talked about it a lot during the season, but there is no substitute for the experience that Mike Gundy has, especially when it comes to in-game strategies, um, adjustments that happen during the game. And then of course, being able to use timeout rules and different rules like that to your advantage. And uh, uh, gosh, like whenever you stop and you take a look at everything that has transpired this off season, it wasn't just this mass exodus, but there was also continuation with the offensive, um, the O-line, right? A lot of the O-linemen are still there. They're staying together. There's a lot to be said about that continuity that stays there. But then I've mentioned this in the past, whenever you have an off offensive coordinator who by all accounts is on a hot seat, um, I mean, you know, that that kind of that that leads you to believe that there's there are going to be some changes with the play calling as far as getting more aggressive, as far as making sure that the blocking schemes are correct. And then I think beyond that, too, whenever you run the style of offense that we run, whenever you have a guy who, you know, I mean, nothing against Spencer Sanders, but if we can get somebody who is just 10 percent more accurate <laughs> than Spencer Sanders, that automatically yeah. just makes your offense so much better. And yeah, maybe you lose something when it comes to escapability and mobility. But, you know, if you just get 10 percent more accurate, accurate, that in itself is something that will greatly, greatly impact your offense. And now you bring in a defense coordinator in Nardog who is a guy that wants to run the same style of defense that Iowa State runs, right? You got your three high safeties. You got that rover that's playing in the box. More of the same, especially as to what we saw in years past um, with our previous defense coordinator. So I'm I'm really optimistic. I'm really optimistic, man. We got some playmakers. We got Brandon Presley in there. We got um, Kendall, da- Kendall, well, what's my man? Kendall Daniels, uh, mm-hmm. you know, freshman All-American. Like, I feel optimistic optimistic and don't don't forget about the guys that actually transferred in there's so much discussion about the guys that left but guys transferred in um who were you know juco all americans and had a hundred plus tackles at the university of tulsa so hey i think the future looks bright i also think like 
it probably is a little bit of a blessing in disguise that Spencer Sanders decided to move on because we could be sitting here ranked in the top 15, top 10 with him returning, but everybody knows what to expect out of Spencer Sanders at this point in the Oklahoma state offense. So like you said, with Casey Dunn back against the wall, new quarterback, you kind of get to change up the entire scheme of your offense because you don't have that same quarterback. I think that kind of puts us at an advantage because we're not going to be able to, you know, run out with the same stuff and defenses are going to have to figure out what the tendencies are moving forward. It's not going to be the same old thing that you've seen over the last four or five years. I think uh, on the quarterback subject, you know, you have Bowman who's fifth year senior season veteran and you have that experience. And then you also have floors who in a perfect world, he gets to redshirt this season, learn sure. from Bowman, and then you have your set up for the future because based on what we saw last season when Spencer was out with an injury, Rangel and Gundy are not the future of this team. So if you can have a stud on paper, if you look at Flores' resume from college, highly touted recruit, star in Nebraska, star from high school, not college, you know, it's not the worst thing for him to redshirt learn from Bowman and step right in, in 2024 thinking, okay, a little bit, I don't want to say rebuild because I think that Oklahoma state has the potential to be contenders in the big 12 this season. If right. things go well and they stay healthy. But I also yeah. think that looking to the future, you could have a quarterback that could be redshirted. And, and like, to your point, Meg, like, I don't think that they necessarily are the future, like you're saying, but if Bowman goes down, like, Rangel, you got to step up because you can't have that big of a gap between or Gundy. the first or Gundy, the first team quarterback and the backup. Like, we see it all the time whenever backups come in against Oklahoma State and they look like they're better than the, the initial starter. So, you have yeah, to just... be able to step your game up and be able to lead the offense, not have any confidence issues. And like right now is where you get that work in. So just well, you keep know, grinding. And I know like you just, I mean, yeah, if you're not the starter, I mean, that's, that's a whole deal with a quarterback mindset. I mean, yeah, you got to be relied on as a backup. Oftentimes the reason why a backup can come in and be so impactful is because there's not film on that individual. You don't know his tendencies and you just don't know how the coaching uh, staff is going to call the game differently whenever that individual comes in. So I understand that. I mean, a backup can get hot for a game or two. And then everybody, whenever people figure him out after enough film is out there, you, you see it. It's not common uh, at Oklahoma state to just have, you know, four-star QB after four-star QB after, you know, just backups who are at that same level as the starter. I mean, Alan Bowman transferred in from Michigan. Have you guys seen the Michigan starter this year? JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy. I don't know if y'all paid attention to like the spring game that Michigan had. That dude looked like he was playing a freaking video game, just lighting it up. I mean, he's projected he he might emerge as a first round pick next season after you know Drake May, Caleb Williams, and all those guys. But mm -hmm. it's just you know some schools just have these quarterback factories where okay the next guy can step up and you don't really miss a beat. Ohio State, Michigan. That's a that's right a now, great example. Like, oh, of that situation, like. JJ McCarthy at Michigan, he's the starter now because he was a backup for Cade McNamara, stepped in and then didn't let he didn't relinquish that role again. So, and then that forced uh, you know him to transfer to Iowa. So, uh, 
that's what I'm saying though. Like there can't be that big of a talent gap between our starting quarterback and the backups. You got to be able to have somebody to step in and potentially take off to that next level. Yeah. I don't disagree. So I, I remember, I forget what game it was, but I remember there was one shot when Rangel was in last season and he's waiting for the snap and his hands were visibly shaking. Oh, uh, that was Gundy. I think, right. Was that Gundy? I think so. In Kansas state game. Maybe I thought it was Rangel. Maybe. Maybe it was. Maybe there was a quarterback. Maybe it was Gundy. Maybe you are right, and it was Gundy. But I remember that shot of the hands visibly shaking. And Justin, I don't disagree that you need to be ready to step up. However, there's one quarterback on the field at a time, as opposed to there could be two or three wide it's receivers. It's nerve-wracking. It is. But my point is, how? What can people do to help instill confidence in them, or what can coaches do to instill confidence in them? throughout practice, throughout on the sideline, something like that, if they are ready or if they are being called upon to go into a game. Yeah. You know, what's one thing that my coaches used to do in high school. This is, this is 10th grade and I adopted this and I've been doing it literally ever since. And a bunch of NFL players will tell you to do the same thing. In fact, I think Shamil Gary mentioned it whenever he was on our podcast is visualization. Like there is so much confidence that comes with the day before just laying down when it's dark, no music, and with as much detail as possible, picturing yourself going through the game plan, going through your runs, going through your reads, throwing the ball exactly where the placement, where your feet are going to go, where your elbow is going to launch, the torque, like all that. And I know that it's hard to do whenever, you know, you're seven games in and you haven't taken a single snap. But that visualization gives you an, an irremarkable amount of confidence, like not irremarkable, um, <laughs> just unexplainable amount of confidence uh, whenever you're actually thrusted into the situation. So I would say, like, that's one of the things that is underrated. That's actually a really, really great tool. I think it goes a long way for a coach just to communicate that confidence directly to the quarterback because whether it's the coach is up in the press box, he has to call down on the on the headset, or he's down on the field looking the quarterback in the eye, it's a matter of saying, you've done this in practice. We have confidence in you. You get to go live your dream. Let's just relax, take a deep breath, and go out there and do what you've been doing in practice. So um, – until you get hit, you know, that's kind of like you're going to be nervous. But, uh, and you know, you can take a hit and keep going. But other than that, I think that the coach actually displaying that confidence in them, being a leader in that sense, just helping them to communicate to the team, you're the guy now, let's go. We're behind you 100%. Justin, we're going to start a petition for you to be hired as the Cowboys confidence coach. Triple C. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. Put it in cursive. Put it in cursive. Yeah. Well, we will see what happens in September when the season starts. But until then, we're going to focus on some spring sports in action. Baseball. Two Cowboys received Big 12 weekly honors this week for baseball. Nolan Schubert named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week for the second week in a row. He went 7 for 14 this weekend, two home runs, a double, and led the Cowboys with nine RBIs, hit in all three games, and extended his hit streak to six games. Schubert has 14 home runs this season, which leads the freshman in the Big 12, and he is second overall in the conference. So, so he... He hit 
a home run 461 feet over the center field aisle, uh, and, and it was like just gone. It launched off the bat uh, 115 miles an hour. And I'm like, this guy is out here looking like Giancarlo Stanton playing amongst <laughs> boys right now. So I love it. I'm excited for him to do that this upcoming week in Norman. Yes. And again, thank you, Michigan coach, for heading to Clemson and sending Schubert to us. And thank you, Jackson Holiday, for that mm -hmm. amazing recruiting. Also, Chase Adkinson was named co-player of the week in the Big 12 this weekend. He went 7 for 11, which, if you can't do the math, it was a 636 batting average. That's insane. Home run, yep. triple, eight RBIs. He had multiple hits in all three games extending his hit streak to five. And this is kind of a bummer for him. He was a double shy of batting the cycle in the second game. So like, I mean, still incredibly impressive, but when you have I think that it's maybe like not even as, uh, let's say, uh, I'm saying it wrong, but it's even more impressive, I should say, that it's against Kansas State. I mean, these guys aren't slouches. They're like, they were ranked right there with Oklahoma State, and then we're pulling that much further away from them. You know, the second game beating them like nineteen to five, and then I think run ruled them on Mother's Day. I was and so what for like like twelve to two. I mean, against a team that's supposed to be similarly ranked to you, I just love that momentum going into Bedlam. So talk about K State mm. and. So Atkinson is the catcher. He threw out two runners and picked off two other base runners, allowing only three stolen bases against Kansas State this weekend. Wow. Uh, the State team has over 100 steals this season. So to hold them to three is actually incredibly, incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive. Yeah, so congratulations to Nolan and Chase for that. As Justin said, baseball heads out to Norman for Bedlam this weekend, and then they start the postseason Memorial Day weekend, the Cowgirl softball team, they earned the sixth seed in the tournament. They're hosting a regional starting on Friday at 3 p.m. They'll host UMBC, which is University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Wichita State, and Nebraska. So if you're in Stillwater this weekend, which not many are. So, guys, plenty of parking, no traffic. You really have no excuse to not come to Stillwater to support your Cowgirls. True that. <laughs> Making good points. Pressure's on. The pressure's I'm just, on. I'm just saying. Hey, wanted to give a shout out to Isabel Diaz, who was an Oklahoma State alum. Okay, and she has been named the inaugural Harriet P. Ursay Fellow for the Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts for the 2023 season. So the Harriet P. Ursay Fellowship is for women um, in a football operations role, with which women have been historically underrepresented. So I saw the story. I thought it was cool. And then I looked up Is uh, Isabel, and then I noticed that she was an Oklahoma State alum. So how cool is that, that she gets to do that and represent the university at large? Go Pokes. She was a coaching assistant here the last, or a student assistant coach the last few years. So it just, yeah, oh, she's been absolutely. I recognize her. Okay, yeah. She's student assistant here. She did something with the commanders because she also had formed some sort of connection with Ron Rivera last season. Nice. She was out. It wasn't the full season she was out there, but I think it might have been like a summer internship with them. But she's absolutely killing it. And as a fellow woman in sports, I could not be happier for her. 
Yeah. And, and, and another guy, Bryce Lewis, who's an Oklahoma State University secondary analyst and learning specialist. So he's a guy that's been named uh, to the Bill Walsh Coaching Fellowship participants uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So just OK State coaching staff, like just dominating the NFL world as well as the college football world. You love to see it. Nice. And we love all of you for listening to another Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, like, share, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of the things. We appreciate you, especially Eve's newest barbecue line friend who is following <laughs> listening to us now. No, Thank drop you. your name, please. Drop your name, or we're just going to call you Hutchins <laughs> Barbecue. I mean, you can all be barbecue boy, you know, it just is what it is. <laughs> It's not a bad name. You know, you love your barbecue. Well, all that's left, guys, is go pokes. Go pokes and beat OU. Go pokes. Go pokes.